I'm not very happy right now. I was really hoping I'd be coming on with an Eagles beanie, a green Eagles shirt, or a jersey. I mean, I'm not happy. Like, I'm just not happy. That was a horrible performance. Um, I'm, I'm probably not going to touch a lot on that game. I'm going to let my emotions settle. I'll probably touch on it more later this week. But welcome back to episode two of Sports Raid, hosted by Cole Thompson. Um, thank you guys for watching the first one. I really do appreciate it. It means a lot. We got a lot to unpack today. I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on the Eagles game later. Um, we got a lot to unpack from the NFL, college football. Other than the, it was a crazy weekend. A lot of upsets. Just I didn't do great on my picks. I didn't do horrible. I stayed above 500. Um, but it was it was just a crazy weekend. A lot of good college football games. A lot of good college football games coming up, which I'll touch on in my Friday episode. Uh, a lot of more better NFL games coming up this week, which I'll touch on in my Friday episode as well. But for now. I'm going to leave you with this clip that I found hilarious uh, from Jalen Hurts last night after the game, his interview. This was probably the only time I smiled last night was when I heard this interview. His response to the loss. And I mean, honestly, his response, he's moving on. I mean, you learn from it and you got to move on. That's the only way you survive in this league. He seems to be thinking that. I mean, so I, I can't knock the guy. I have a guest coming on tonight. His name is Mike, a.k.a. Pro Sports Opinions. He's on TikTok. If you want to go follow him, he's so close to 20,000 followers. So I'd appreciate if you go get him a follow. And I'll show you this clip, and we'll have Mike on. I truly believe that, you know, you take you a deuce. You don't, you don't sit there and look at it. You flush it and move on. We're going to flush it and move on. All right, so I'm here with Mike, a.k.a. Pro Sports Opinions on TikTok. Go give him a follow, by the way. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Tough weekend for both of us, though, you know, both the Eagles and Steelers. <sighs> Rough one. But we're going to dive in. We'll dive into all that. So what through this point in the season, what's the biggest, like, takeaway or surprise you have? That, that some of the teams that we were underestimating, such as I'll, I'll go the Raiders and the Broncos, a couple teams that I – that. I overlooked a lot heading into the season, mainly because, at least from the Broncos' perspective, their quarterback play and probably their running back play, and from the Raiders' uh, perspective, their their defense. The this year is going to be very unconventional. A lot of what we didn't think was going to happen, like the Rams taking over the NFC. I think that they're the best team in the NFL right now. Uh, you look at the AFC West. The char- the Chiefs have a lot of problems right now. Their defense is really bad. Their offense has been very inconsistent. I mean, you look at Tyreek Hill, Nicole Hardman, a lot of those guys on offense, even Clyde Edwards-Lair, a lot of inconsistent play. The only two guy- consistent players that you've seen on the Chiefs play at their level is maybe Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. So I think that it's going to be an unconventional year. A lot of new teams taking over at least at, at least for one year per se it's it's going to be an unconventional season yeah i definitely think i mean i i didn't obviously nobody expected the chiefs to be one and two nobody did no. i think that they start they're taking a step in the right direction with signing josh gordon which we'll talk about that more later but i mean I, it's just tough because i mean they there's such a it's weird because outside of travis kelsey i think i feel like all their other receivers do the exact they're all speedy deep threats and I mean, Tyreek Hill obviously does it at an elite level compared to the rest of those guys. But if I feel like if Kelsey or Mahomes or Hill goes down, they're not at, that good. Then I mean, they're, they're still going to be they're still going to be good, but they're not going to be at the same level they've been. I think that they lose 
And maybe if you lose Tyreek, you're still fine because he's more than just a speedster. I mean, he's got great hands, route running. I mean, he's got all the great technique of, a, of an elite wide receiver. But if you lose a Kelsey or Mahomes, I think that that team is going to miss the playoffs by a decent margin. Yeah, and I think the thing with Mahomes is he's not playing at the as well as he did in past as he's had the last two years. But it's just weird because he's still the best quarterback in the league. He was just he was so much he was playing so good that it looked so bad. Yeah, I mean, he's had some definitely made some mistakes. I haven't seen him make some of his throws are a little, but even in that game, like that first interception, it hit the guy right in the hands. It just popped right up. I mean, and Asante Samuel Jr. made an amazing play on that one. And here's the thing. I think we all talked about it. Mahomes had the most interceptable passes that got dropped by defenses or what was an interception. So I think the accuracy issues that's not as bad, but defenses are starting to capitalize it on a little more, so we're getting a little more attention to it. But I I go to that defense. I mean, that defense was not nearly as bad as it is right now. Their run defense is really bad. Their secondary, they struggled without Tyran Matthew, and they're still struggling a little bit with Matthew in the mm-hmm. game. I think that that defense is going to end up being the the ending or the, the fallout, if you will, of that team, at least for this season. And it's just weird how the only team they've beaten is arguably the best team they played. I, I'd say it's 100% the best yeah. team that they've I mean, I mean, I mean, the Ravens have looked looked good against the Chiefs, but I mean, even against the Lions, which that's another thing. That Justin Tucker kick, that was absurd. I mean, I mean I'm I'm coming home from Heinz Field. I'm I'm just keeping the game cast on. I'm like, all right, I think the Lions are going to win this one. And it says Justin Tucker makes 66 yard yeah, field goal. I was in. Man, oh. That's just, I mean, that had to feel some type of way. But I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I know we're dead last, but there, there's a lot of season left. Oh, and I yeah. mean, here, the thing is, we'll, we'll talk about the Steelers probably in a little bit, definitely in a couple of segments. So I'll, I'll save my thoughts for yeah. for another, for a few but, minutes. Um, So, I mean, we talked about the Chiefs being a big disappointment so far this year. But other than them, there's got, I mean, there's been a few I can think of. But who do you think is the, the biggest disappointment other than the Chiefs? Probably the team I'm wearing the jersey of right now. The Steelers. <laughs> Steelers. And I, that that may be me paying a little too much attention to the AFC East, and specifically the, the team that I root for. But you look defensively. Injuries have plagued this team on that side of the ball, and you look at the offense. We said heading into the season, Steelers fans and the team said that this offensive line is going to need time to gel. They're not going to be playing at a high level. This offense needs time to kind of – bring itself in the new system under Matt Canada, but you, everything is going wrong offensively outside of really Najee Harris. I mean, that dude has been as advertised when you get him into open space and he's not being tackled behind the line of scrimmage, but the offensive line, I think that's the main centerpiece, the focus of the problems on that side of the ball. Ben Roethlisberger has been playing at a very, very low level, poor level uh, of play and wide receivers and tight ends are just not getting open. I mean, the best, separation creator on the team and Deontay Johnson out against Cincinnati kind of showed, you know, Claypool couldn't really create separation. Juju, you restrict him to a lot of screen plays, but he's not great at creating separation. Washington couldn't create separation. There wasn't really too many open guys to throw the ball to and watching Ben scramble. I'd rather watch paint drive for about that is just, (laughs) it's just not a pretty thing to watch. He he was better. He was better when he was a little bit younger, but I mean, yeah, yeah. Steelers have definitely, I, I kind of accept, expected them to be two and one at this point, and I expected them to lose the game that they won. I like mean, that, we, it, I would say that everybody would ex, would have expected the Steelers to be two and one right now and would, have won the games that they lost mm-hmm. and lost the game that they won. That's and, crazy. And, and that's just the Steeler way. That's just how they operate. Exactly. That's just a crazy part about this year is there's so many games. It's just, I mean, look at the Vikings. The Vikings could easily be three and zero right now. 
At 100%. And that's the, that's the thing. I was talking about the Vikings on Friday about how I think the Vikings are a talent, have the talent to put and be on the fringe of the playoffs, but I don't know if their schedule, because they have a tough schedule. I mean, I was looking at it. Yeah. They have, still have to play L.A., Arizona, uh, San Francisco. I mean, anybody who's playing the NFC West is going to have a hard schedule. I mean, the NFC West is by far the best division in football. Not to mention you got to play the Packers twice a year. Yeah, the Packers mm. twice a year. I mean, I was I said the Bears, but I mean, after what we watched on on uh, Sunday, geez, that's why another thing I wanted to talk about was that Justin Fields thing. I think the Bears set him up for failure. 100%. I, I saw something I mean, about how on he had 25 dropbacks, and on 20 of them, they had f- only five guys blocking, just the offensive line. And on the other five, it was a running back blocking. They didn't throw many tight ends in, into blocks on uh, dropbacks. Against such a good defense when you have Miles Garrett, who literally teleported. Like, he, the guy was literally teleporting. You got Jadavian Clowney on the edge. Like, you're talking about one of the best defenses in the league, and you're only giving five guys a protection, especially for an offensive line that wasn't known as a great offensive line last year. And so, heading heading into that game, if you're Matt Nagy or the Chicago Bears, if you know Andy Dalton cannot play, not only not are you, you're not benching him, you're making him mm-hmm. inactive because of injury. Yeah, you are going to be completely criticized and scrutinized if you go with Nick Foles in that game and throw him to the Wolves instead of Justin Fields. Which I think that in hindsight, obviously they should have gone with Nick Foles, uh, but I think that he would have lost not only a lot of fans, but probably some people within that organization if they don't go with Justin Fields, even if he has the justified reasoning of Nick Foles is going to get killed by Miles Garrett. I mean, he had, point, he had an average of 0.78 seconds to throw, not even a full second to drop back and throw that football. He, they absolutely set him up for failure, and I believe that they have they have the Bengals. Do they have the Bengals or the uh, – uh, no, They, they, just, played Cincinnati. they just played Cincinnati. I They have they somebody – Detroit, right? Uh, yes, it's Detroit. That's who it is. It's Detroit. This, this is the game that I said you put Justin Fields in Absolutely. because you're not throwing him to the Wolves against the Cleveland or in week one against Aaron Donald. This Absolutely. is the game you throw him in. Absolutely. But it's another tough one because that Detroit team, they play with Hartman. I mean, Detroit found their coach. That's, I mean, that's the one yeah. thing they came back to against the 49ers in a game that they were blown out in and they made it a fight. I mean, they fought against the Packers to the very end. They fought against – it took a, the NFL record to beat the uh, – to them to lose the Ravens. I mean, Detroit doesn't have a lot of talent, but they have heart. And that – I mean, everybody knows you can't teach heart. So, and I, I think Detroit's a few years away from being a solid team. I, I agree. As long as, as long as they get the talent. Absolutely. You said it. They got the culture. They 100% have their coach. They got the culture. They got the system that they want in. And from a quarterback perspective, if you can get Jared Goff back to playing 2018 level, or at least somewhat close to that, you yep. have probably found your quarterback. Yeah. I mean, Andre Swift, you have found your running back. Absolutely. Your offensive line, you probably found your offensive line for at least the next three years. Yeah. I mean, the wide have... receivers and probably everybody on defense. Yeah. Yeah. That defense. I mean, they even released Jamie Collins today, which that kind of yeah. came as a shock to me because I'm pretty sure his contract was expiring after this year. So I don't know why they, I mean, Maybe they still have – they're still – I mean, they're obviously still talking like they have a chance because that's just the culture they're building. And they're st- they definitely took a step uh, foot in the right direction. Uh, I mean, they have a, t- an, a very, very good tight end. Jared Goff – when Jared Goff plays at his best, he can get a team to the Super Bowl, as we saw. I mean, as much as people want to say it was the defense, yeah, but Jared Goff still – nobody goes to the Super Bowl without competent quarterback play, even when Trent Dilfer did it. He, I mean, Trent Dilfer is the worst quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. 
but he was competent enough to get them there. You still have to put points on the board. The defense can't do everything. Yep, and that Rams offense was one of the most prolific in the NFL all the way up until that Super Bowl. I mean, you look mm-hmm. at that Rams-Chiefs game in 2018, probably the best game yeah. NFL game we've ever witnessed. Absolutely. What was it, 53-51? I think yeah, it was something like that. Points. It was like right before Thanksgiving, too. It was in, the it was, that, that was insane. Great. We've seen Jared Goff be at the helm of one of the most prolific, if not the most prolific offense in the NFL. And I get that Sean McVay is the young offensive genius that is about to do the same thing with Matthew Stafford. Put him and at the helm of one of the most, if not the most prolific offenses in the NFL. Oh, yeah. But you've got a system, you've got a very competent system in Detroit. I think that he can be at the helm of an average or an above average offense in the NFL. And I think that if you get the wide receivers, if your wide receiver one is in Quintez Cephas or Tyrell Williams, if you can get a good wide receiver one, like may- maybe a Garrett Wilson or a Chris Olave or uh, a Kayshawn Bodie up in this uh, upcoming draft, if you can get a good wide receiver one for that wide receiving core, I like Cephas and Williams as two and three options. You need that true number one option in the receiving game that is a wide receiver and isn't uh, TJ Hawkinson or DeAndre Swift. Mm-hmm. And then you get the you develop the pieces on defense like like a Jeff Okuda that you just drafted, and I know he just ruptured his Achilles, but yeah. he's the big development piece on defense that's going to have to lead that side of the ball in the future. But if you get the defensive guys and you get a true wide receiver one, and probably sign a wide receiver two, that team is set for the foreseeable future to finally not be the laughing stock of the NFL. Yeah, and I it's just the Lions. I mean, I, I feel bad for them. I'm just happy that they've got something. I, I feel like other than the NFC North, nobody hates the Lions. Like, the, nobody hates – everyone wants to see the Lions do well because they've just been so bad and they've been through so much. And I hope I, – I mean, they Dan Campbell, I, I knew he was a great hire from the start. Um, uh, we touched – you touched on the Rams a little bit. I want to talk about them. I said it from the start of the season. I said that there, this might be one of the most complete teams in football history, up and down from special teams to defense to offense. And I, even after week one, even after they, I mean, Matthew Stafford didn't have the best game against the Colts, but he didn't play bad. I mean, I didn't even talk about it last week when I was talking about MVP candidates, which I honestly, he kind of slipped my mind, but I mean, he has to be up there now. And I know it's only week three, but I mean, who doesn't love talking about early season MVP candidates? I mean, who doesn't? The, the only person that I would consider putting above Matthew Stafford and MVP talks is probably Kyler Murray. Oh, absolutely. I love Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray is my favorite non-Eagles quarterback. I love Kyler Murray. I, I'd say he's my second favorite non-Sealer quarterback. <laughs> I'm Personally, I thought Justin Herbert was going to be a bust. Prove me wrong. I'm a big Justin Herbert guy now. I love that kid. But I, I don't even think – I know Kyler Murray played pretty well against Jacksonville. and mm-hmm. it, was, it was a relatively close game. But I think that I'd put Matthew Stafford at the top of the MVP conversation and I can accept Kyler Murray over him, but that's about it. That is how well Stafford has been playing. And everybody said it for, for years, get him out of Detroit. And he is going, he could be the quarterback on a Super Bowl team, even Absolutely. if they don't have a complete Super Bowl roster around him, but, but the Rams have a Super Bowl they roster around him and he's playing at an MVP caliber level. And I don't think the Rams are beatable right now. Just, just where we stay in week three, they're not a beatable team I by com- anybody. I completely agree with that right now. The Ram, like I said, the Rams have, a top three, if not the best defense in the entire NFL. Yep. Um, and then you throw it on the fact that they now, how good they were with Jared Goff playing as bad as he was. And now you throw in Matt Stafford, who was a top, who's a top 10 quarterback. 
in there, I mean, it, it's a perfect storm. It was the perfect storm for the Rams. And I also think it was a perfect storm for the Lions too, because the Lions did get a lot out of that trade. I, I mean, know people ragged on them, but at the same time, Matthew Stafford didn't want to be there. Do him the favor because he's done a lot for Detroit and just get him out of there. You got a quarterback, you got draft picks. That's all you yep. really can ask for. I think they got two first round picks out of that. Yeah, it was, it was two. I think it was two first rounds and like a fourth and then Jared Goff. And that's two more first round picks you can spend exactly. on the defensive that's players exactly. or, uh, or maybe that wide receiver one that I'm, t- that I was talking about. Cause Matthew but, Stafford's at the point in his career where he has to be on a team that wants to, that's ready to win now. Yeah. And the lines weren't close to it. The lines they, they were never to close to a, they may have been close to a win now team in maybe 2012. Yeah. When they, uh, they have you, not been close since Calvin Johnson left that team. Yes. That's exactly what I was going to say. Last time Calvin Johnson was there is the last time that they were a team that could compete for a spot in the Super Bowl or, or something like that. Yeah. But uh, so we talked about Josh Gordon a little bit. I'm a huge Josh Gordon fan. I like Josh Gordon. I mean, I like that they keep giving the guy chances because, I mean, he's entertaining on the field and he's a good and he's a good locker room guy. Yeah. Like, nobody's ever said it, Josh Gordon's a bad guy in the locker room. Josh Gordon just hurts Josh Gordon. But I mean, and, what, what do you think? How do you think that affects the Chiefs going forward? Because he's a different type of player compared to the rest of their receivers. As long as he doesn't get busted for marijuana for about the hundredth time, <laughs> he is going to, I, I believe at least, bring a spark to that Chiefs offense, mm-hmm. which needed a consistent spark outside of Travis Kelsey and maybe Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I said it. Tyreek Hill has not been a consistently good player. I mean, the past two weeks he has been clamped up. He has yeah. not been. A, he has not had good production. I mean. Pringle, Hardman, uh, Robinson are guys you can go to now and then, but again, none of them are reliable, consistent receivers that Mahomes can go to when Tyreek isn't working or maybe Kelsey isn't working. One, one of those two guys is going to be on every game. And exactly most of the time it's going to be Travis Kelsey, but I think Josh Gordon is going to be a great number two option, almost kind of like the Sammy Watkins of this team, because mm-hmm. Watkins played a very pivotal role in this team. Oh, yeah. When they won the Super Bowl two that. years ago and when they made it last year, whether people like to admit it or not, outside of week one, that's the only time people paid attention to him because he put up good fantasy numbers and good production. <laughs> but he was a very, very uh, valuable piece to this offense that not a lot of people wanted to give credit to. And I feel like Josh Gordon can be that, if not a higher level of that great number two option, not only – I should say number two option to wide receiver, number three option in the pass game because you got uh, the best tight end in the league, in my opinion, at least, in Travis Kelsey. Oh, yeah. I mean, Travis Kelsey, I, Travis Kelsey, is spe- at least receiving-wise, is the best tight end in the league. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't he doesn't do as much in the block game as George Kittle does, but, I mean, if you – he puts up wide receiver numbers as a tight end. It's absurd. Yeah. Um, I think, like I said, Josh Gordon's a different type of player, a different type of receiver than the Chiefs need, and – no matter how many times he got re there's a reason teams keep signing him. It's because every time Josh Gordon plays, he plays well. It's just, he doesn't stay on the field. Like, yeah. I mean, if by Christmas I hear Josh Gordon got suspended indefinitely, would I be shocked? No. Am I cheering for him not to? Absolutely. Because he has the attitude, like he wants to get better. He just can't stay out of his own way. I mean, he's, yeah. he tried like, that's the thing. That's why teams keep taking a chance on him is because he's putting in the effort it's just some sometimes you just can't you just can't get out of your own way. And I I hope to God he does because he is a fun player to watch. Absolutely, 100 percent So uh we're gonna switch let's switch over to college football a little bit. I know you're an Ohio State fan. Um I'm a Penn State fan, I'm from the area, so yeah. but the most disappointing team has to be Clemson. 
hundred percent. I mean, they 100%. were. I think that we can all agree they were a consensus top three team in our playoff predictions. Absolutely. And the defense has somewhat lived up to that hype of being the the side of the ball that would carry this team. But DJ Uyunglele, the t- a top two quarterback in his class, a five star that was supposed to be like the next big guy at Clemson, mm-hmm. has been has fallen so short of that that I mean. He's just straight up not been a good college. I think he. I think he has one touchdown this season. Yeah, I think one he has touchdown. one one touchdown. How many, how many games? Three, four. Man, yeah, one, four. Four, and I think he has one. He did he, he did he play every game? He might have missed a game. He. I think he's played every game to this point. At, at least to my knowledge, I'm, I'm probably wrong on that. But even if he played three games, yeah, but one still touchdown, one touchdown as good as he's supposed to be. That's in a Clemson offense. It has been the same system for quite a bit under Dabo. Oh yeah, that produced. Deshaun Watson, a Heisman, a Heisman winner caliber player. Trevor Lawrence, probably the best college player we've ever seen to not win a Heisman in his three years of playing college football. Mm-hmm. And now you go to DJ Uyunglele, one of the Heisman favorites, right behind Spencer Rattler, who's also been a pretty disappointing oh, that, quarterback, that's may I add. That's something going to talk about. <laughs> may I add, but I'll save that for you, but... And this entire offense, the offensive line is not that great. Justin Ross is not what he's used to be, which is a shame because he was the best receiver in college football before that that heart surgery or injury or whatever it yeah. was. He was the best receiver in college football, in my yep. opinion. You don't get that same guy back. You don't have the same receivers for Uyunglele to throw to. So he's not in nearly the same situation that Deshaun and uh, Trevor was in. Mm-hmm. but he is also not nearly played up to their levels, even if he would have had the same situation. He didn't against Boston College, or I'd venture to say against Notre Dame. And I know he put up 400 yards and four touchdowns, but that Notre Dame defense was just straight up not good. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Uyunglele, even with the weapons that Lawrence had last year, didn't live up to Lawrence's level. Wait, they played Notre Dame this season? No, no, I'm t- I'm talking about last season when oh, okay. I had to play a couple of games. Oh, that's right. Okay, that's right. Because Trevor got uh had COVID. That's I remember yeah. that. Okay. Um, yeah, it's just been rough for him. I mean, it's just he has three touchdowns. He scored through two against NC okay. State, but okay. they're definitely just not the same team. I think the issue was they've been so good and they lost and they faced adversity in that first game and they didn't know how to react. I think that's the issue with Clemson is they ran through the ACC and the only time they ever got tested was Notre Dame and in the playoffs. I just don't think they were prepared to be tested this much this early in the season. And that came back to bite them. I mean, you can't go out there. I know Georgia's defense is up there with the best in the country up there with, well, I mean, before the season, they were up there with, with Wisconsin, Alabama. Um, But it just, you can't, you, you can't only put up three points and expect to win a game. You can't put up 21 points in, in uh, four quarters, including two overtimes against NC state and expect to win a game. Um, It's they're just not the, they're just not the same team this year. My biggest fear with Clemson, though, is Clemson usually has a top five, top seven at worst recruiting class. 2022 is number 11. Their 2023 recruiting class is 16. And there are some good kids, especially quarterback. That's, this, this 2022 quarterback class is one of the best I've seen. I mean, you got guys like Aller, uh, Ewers, well, he's now – He's already I there. Mean, he reclassified. He's he's not going to see the field this year unless it's on the sidelines. There, so, uh, that, uh, there was some guy. I forget his name that went to Alabama. Hauser's going to Michigan State. I mean, all, these guys are. This is like that Elite Eleven. When I watched that Elite Eleven, I was absurd because that was some of the best quarterback play I've seen. And obviously, they're just going to get better and better as they get as yeah. time goes on. We become. I mean, the quarterbacks now are 
way better than the quarterbacks that were 30, 35 years ago at the same age, but it's just an insane. I mean, and they're only 11. It, they're not even, I think Florida state has the number one recruiting class in the SEC, in the ACC, which another thing, Mike Norvell is under a lot of fire. Oh, and four. I mean, and a lot of the, and three of those games, they, they very, the thing about Florida state is they could be three and one. They very well could have beat Notre Dame. They very, they should have beat Jacksonville state. Yeah. They, sh- I wouldn't say should have, they very well could have beat Louisville. They're just tough breaks. And I think a lot of people are calling for Mike Norville's head. And I don't think that's fair to him because Mike Norville doesn't even have his guys in yet. Cause a lot nope. of the guys are from the uh, Tigers the year be- uh, before him. And then you throw on the fact that a lot of those guys that are from Tiger also like the ones that were supposed to graduate got to reclassify and play an extra year because of COVID. So I don't think it's right fair to put Mike Norville in the hot seat yet. Um, I think you got to give him another year or two. Let his guys come in. Let his let him get his guys in. And that's what their athletic director said. He has a top 10 recruiting class. You can't fire him yet. You've got to give him a chance. I agree. And it, and it's the new age of college football where within one to two years, if you're not seeing the big time success that a lot of your fans expect to see. Now out of Florida State, it was probably a New Year's Six Bowl. At the very least, you're contending for an ACC title. And it was right out of the gate with Norval because he did great things with, I believe it was Memphis. That's where he was before mm-hmm. Florida State. He did put them in uh, near consideration for a playoff spot. One of the group of five teams that a lot of people said, you know, if you're going to put a group of five team, Memphis has to be at the top of that discussion, yep. especially after a uh, UCF lost Scott Frost. <laughs> yeah. So I think that he definitely deserves a couple of more years. And the only guy in this new age of college football that I've actually seen survive the, the scrutiny of not being a great program before getting your guys in has been Jim Harbaugh. And he yep. somehow is still surviving. And he's probably going to survive up until the end of that 2026 contract with the way that this team is playing. I think that also has to do about the fact is Jim Harbaugh, they will beat everybody but Michigan or but Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, the only teams that they really lose to. Yep. And I think another thing with Jim Harbaugh is the name. Like, it's just such a big name in football that they don't want to fire him. I mean, Jim Harbaugh is Michigan. Like, just his personality represents old Michigan. So another guy who I think survived, his wasn't as bad was James Franklin, because I remember the year that Penn State beat Ohio State in the whiteout. I believe that was 2016. Yeah, 2016. Went on to win the Big Ten. I remember after they lost to Michigan, they had lost to Pitt that year. They gotten blown out by Michigan. People were calling for his, his head. They were like, fire James Franklin, Les Miles, bring him to the Big Ten. And Penn State waited. And, I mean, they ended up pulling off. Uh, that was an amazing year, especially after all that happened the years leading up like three years after your bull ban gets re- released, you still don't have even have all your scholarships back. I mean, Penn state, the thing is Penn state's still recovering from the whole situation, getting all their, I mean, they're, they're now have all their scholarships back and all their guys are coming in, but that's why I think I've, you've seen Penn state step up to back to that elite program. And I think that also has to do with James Franklin. James Franklin's another guy. James Franklin wanted to be at Penn state. He wants to win at Penn state. I think the whole thing about him going to USC is absurd I was, um, I was just about to say that. Yeah. I, I don't see James Franklin leaving Penn state unless he gets fired or is if he would ever go to the NFL, even though I don't see that he wants to be at Penn state. And I think that's the thing that Penn state has one of the richest co- uh, cultures in college football. I mean, Joe Paterno coached there for 80 years, so they don't go through. Co- I mean, they've had three coaches in like the last 100 years or something like that, or four yeah. in the last hundred years, because it's just a culture. Now Joe Paterno has been there. It was there forever, but it's just a culture of loyalty that they represent and i don't think james franklin's going anywhere nice he's not going anywhere that and that's 100 percent sure i mean 
I'm going to, I'm going to step back to Clemson really quick and the, and the ACC as a whole, that is probably going to fall into the bottom tier of power five conferences in the same discussion as the PAC 12, because I mean, I know you have Oregon at the top of that conference, but they haven't been at the top of that conference Mm -hmm. since 2015. Mm-hmm. Or at least at the top of that conference and in the playoff discussion as yes, they are this year. Yes, I know you meant, yeah. So, and they haven't had a team represent them in the playoffs since 2016 when it was the Washington Huskies. Huskies. Who is, oh, what the was Huskies. that guy? What was the quarterback's name? Uh, Jake oh. something. Uh, Jake Browning. Jake Browning. That's who it was, Jake yeah. Browning. Oh, that, Jake that, Browning. That, 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 I knew one Washington fan because he had family from out from by Seattle and stuff. And yeah, I, that just was a normal form. Like they're usually not that good. But, yeah. I, yeah, the ACC, I mean, I think they're in trouble. And I think the crazy part about it is as bad as the Pac-12 is compared to the rest of the Power Five and how bad the Big 12 was looking to be, I think the Big 12 definitely is going to put themselves up there as the third best conference in college football because I think they got they lost their stars, but I think they got deeper because I obviously BYU is – BYU and Cincinnati, I mean, they're two top 15 teams. UCF has been up there for the last five, six, seven years um there was a fourth team that got in um houston 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 was up there for a while too they're 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 still in the spotlight of group of five teams at least right now group of five teams i think that definitely was good i think i think it hurts the big 12 uh the big 12 losing texas and oklahoma obviously because oklahoma is constantly up there in playoff discussion even though i don't think they make it this year and texas is a rich program so obviously they're going to be up there but um I think they become deep, they become a deeper conference because that bottom part of the big 12 is bad. That Kansas, like Kansas, I mean, you might as well b- bump them down to division two. They've had one good year. Literally they had one good year when they had uh, Casey Hayward and Akib Tlaib and all them. Yeah. But I mean, uh, so we were talking about the big 10. We'll go more into depth than that. Big 10. I mean, it's going to be an entertaining, especially that North division. I mean, Ohio state, Michigan, Michigan state, Penn state. That's what everybody wanted to see when Penn, Penn State kind of was like back and Michigan was kind of back was these four teams go at it and we're going to see it this year. I mean, I'd venture as far to say that the Big Ten East is the best division in college football and the toughest division in college football. Maybe I think it's the SEC East has I, maybe an argument Al- with Alabama, A&M, LSU. I think that I think that those two are the clear cut top two. I it, A&M, LSU auburn none of those teams are that good this year and auburn just lost to penn state yeah yeah that's true i I venture so i I know arkansas and georgia in the west you got two top 10 teams there but i would i would say the big 10 east is the best is the best uh, division in college football absolutely and watching that race between a a resurging michigan state football team playing Mm -hmm. that old school run the ball down your throat type of football the same as their uh their counterparts in the state the michigan wolverines you look at penn state although sean clifford can be shaky at times you got noah kane and running back Jahan dotson a wide receiver and a very good defense to lead that team to what is it right now top four status or is it top four top four status i think penn state the old i think the thing is with penn state is I think with Penn State is Penn State has been a position that they probably that they w- would argue for a while was we don't have the schedule to compete, but this year they do. They have they played Wisconsin, beat them in their place week one. They've had Auburn come down. The SEC, as powerful as they are, they showed up the SEC. The Whiteout showed out. They beat them. They they got Iowa next not this coming week, the next week. Obviously, that's a must win. 
I think that's the only game that they could afford to lose and still make the playoff would be Iowa. Is if they if they have to lose one game this year, if like somebody said Penn State has to lose one game, you get to pick. I'm picking Iowa this coming week because that's the only realistic way where they find their way into the playoff. Because obviously they would win the division still because they would beat Michigan, Michigan State, and Ohio State, and would be a one loss winner, and then they would get to play Iowa again and avenge that loss. But I mean, obviously the dream is to, as a fan, I mean, I know you're thinking with Ohio state win the rest of your games. <laughs> we, I mean, we essentially have to at this point. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the thing with Penn state. I think that Penn state has, especially over Michigan and Michigan state is Penn state's so highly ranked right now that if they lose a game to a very good team and they still find their way in the big 10 title game, they're going to have a shot to still make the playoff. I think with Michigan and Michigan state, it depends on who they lose to and how, because of the fact that, they're not, they didn't come. They've only are now getting ranked and Ohio state. They already lost their game. They already lost. They already got their one, their one loss. And I mean, better to lose out of conference and in conference. Yeah. But so you want to touch on Ohio state a little bit more? I'll, I'll touch on Ohio state. I mean, that Akron game, I get that it's Akron. I know that they're mm-hmm. a bottom feeder in the FBS, but that is the type of performance you wanted to see a defensive Absolutely. line that was finally getting off the ball. That's finally getting, you know, Good release, good good release off the offensive line. They're uh, they're getting good pressure. The secondary's been playing good all year. I mean, when your pass rush can't get uh, to the backfield in ten seconds, obviously you're going to let up in coverage. But you got true freshmen like Denzel Burke and Cameron Martinez that are playing very well in the secondary. Cameron Brown's doing his part, and losing Josh Brocker for the season definitely hurts. Linebacker and the amount of guys that they rotate is going to be the downfall of this team if they are to have a downfall the rest of the season. But offensively. If you're going to put C.J. Stroud back in at quarterback, if you think that he's healthy enough to go up against the Rutgers this upcoming week, he's got to get better in a lot of facets of the game. Decision-making, you know, being unafraid to pull the ball in his own read or run the ball or scramble because that's what we've seen the past few years. You know, J.T. Barrett, even Cardale Jones could do it. Dwayne Haskins did it somewhat Braxton towards Miller. the end of the season. Braxton Miller. Terrell Pryor. Justin Fields. Terrell, Terrell Pryor. Pryor. I mean, they have had a rich history of quarterbacks that have no fear to scramble. To scramble. Mm-hmm. And now I, you bring in C.J. Stroud. He, yeah. got, he has to be able to do that. Trey Henderson at running back, I think that he might end up as a Heisman candidate at the end of the season. And you have one of the best wide receiving cores in the country. Yeah, Defense has to get going if this team wants to make the playoff. I mean, it doesn't help when you have a senior linebacker just quitting in the middle of a game, which I don't even know. Did they ever – I mean, I know they said because he wasn't getting subbed in, but I, I feel like there's more to it than that. There can't You just can't just quit like that because you're not getting in the game. I mean – his th- you, you could argue that he was a top three linebacker and deserving of a starting spot. Yes. And he, ne- he didn't play the entire four weeks. Mm-hmm. And in this new age, everybody's about me, 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 especially with the NIL deal. So if, if he's not mm-hmm. on the field showcasing everything to the he's world, he's not getting the money. He's not getting the money. He's not getting the, the attention that he believes he deserves. He's going to go somewhere where that, where his talents are more appreciated. And Which, the way, the manner he did it, was very unprofessional and now he's going to go to a worse school but if he just entered the transfer portal like our other linebacker dallas gant he would be in a lot better situation yeah i think i I think that was very poor i mean especially over that i mean i could see if there was another reason like somebody would have said something like an inappropriate comment to him or something i could see it then but even then that's like a little bit of a stretch to do something like that but for not getting into the game i mean I, i could only imagine if i was playing the sport and I just walked off the field, threw my gloves and threw my jersey. What my dad would my what my dad would say to me, like, oh, it would be so bad. That's just yeah, it's just it's just 
it's just mental toughness. And it just, he just, I mean, obviously he's playing division one football, so it's hard to sit here and talk bad about him, but I mean, that's what we, that's what we do. I mean, we sit there and we critique and we talk about what we, our opinions on it. But at the same time, my thing with Ohio state is Ohio state's not as in as bad of a spot as Clemson, but I think Ohio state took a step back this year as, as well as Clemson did. I lost them. I lost Mike. Okay. I'm going to, what's going on here? Whoops. Um, hmm. Okay, well, while Mike's while Mike's not here, I just want I'll continue. Uh, he'll be back in like five minutes. I'm going to continue to talk about um, Ohio State. So the thing with Ohio State, I mean, CJ Strode hasn't looked as good. I talked about that on Friday, but I think Ohio State is still in a good position to make the playoff, along with like Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State. And the thing with Ohio State needs to be they need to play better defensively. They haven't been playing as good defensively. They're not letting their offense keep up. Um, they did it against Oregon. They were struggling with it against, who was it, Toledo, Tulsa, one of the two. Um, and I think that's going to be their downfall, if there is, is when they play at school like Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, that's going to be their downfall, is the inability to keep up with a team like Penn State, uh, uh, Michigan, Michigan State. Um, and even if they go make the, somehow, if they would end up making the playoffs, same thing, Alabama, Georgia, they're going to run right through them. Obviously, I'm a little biased because I'm a Penn State fan, but if I had to pick somebody to win the Big Ten right now, I'm picking Penn State. Penn State has played probably the most complete football out of all those teams. Um, they have one of the better defenses in the country. Sean Clifford's looked really well. I know it was Villanova, but you threw for 40 yards and four touchdowns against Division I football players. That's got to mean something. Because if we're going to knock a guy for playing bad against a team like that, we still got to give him credit when they play that well. So, I mean, it's going to oh, – Mike's coming back. You there? All right, there we go. All right, we're good. All right, we got it worked out. I was just talking about how uh, about Ohio State. Obviously, I touched on the defense a little bit and how if if they play that like they did, they have been defensively against a team like Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State. Even if you go to the playoff, uh, Alabama, Georgia, they're gonna get. It's not gonna end well for them. Nope. And, and there, there's still a lot of season left, and as we enter absolutely big play. That was a great that was a great way to kind of finish off the non-conference season. I know, mm-hmm. again, I'll say it. It was against Akron, so take away as much credit as you will. But I was just saying that, that about was Penn a State. great, you know, mental booster mm-hmm. for this team, if you will. I was just saying that about Penn State is we, we like to knock guys when knock got teams and players when they play bad against those teams. And obviously you don't get as much credit as if you play that good against Akron compared to if you played that good against like a Michigan, Michigan State, something like that. But you still got to give credit. I was talking about Sean Clifford, 400 yard and four touchdowns. If we're going to knock him if he plays bad, we got to give him somewhat of a credit if he plays well. It goes both ways. And it, he's kind of an inconsistent quarterback, and I think we can all agree about that. But mm-hmm. when he gets going, when he's yep. playing at a consistently high level, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. Absolutely. I, I, 100%. And when you got a guy like Jahan Dotson to throw the football <laughs> yeah. to, Man, I mean, it, it makes your the, life 10 times easier. Yeah. I, I think Penn State's in a very good position. I think Penn State showed that they can compete with anybody. Um, I, I mean, they haven't played Alabama or Georgia yet, but I think that Penn State's going to be in this position to either break my heart or make my heart happy. 
no matter what, I think the next few Saturdays, my heart's going to be racing pretty, pretty hard. So we talked about Michigan and Michigan state a little bit. Uh, Let's talk about Michigan state's future because they got a very big recruiting class coming in a very good one. Um, And Mel, I, I was a little down on Mel Tucker the first few years, but he seemed to have turned it around. I mean, it's not a great situation in Colorado. It's not somewhere where recruits want to go. It's not Mm -hmm. a prestigious program with all this rich history that you want to restore. Now you go to Michigan State. There's definitely some history and some prestige to that program that you want to restore. I mean, in 2015, they made the playoff. In 2014, they were just about this close before uh, it was Ohio State that broke their hearts, really, and uh, made the Big Ten championship game, went on to make the playoff over him. I think in 2016 that, once again, uh, they were a good football team. I mean, they were 20, they were top 25 in a 2019. This is a program that up until a couple of years ago was consistently a top 25 team that was going to give everybody they played everything that they had. It was going to take everything that their opponents had to beat the Michigan State Spartans. They are a somewhat prestigious football program. And especially over the past, what, two decades, they've been mm-hmm. atop the Big Ten East. Yeah. So you've got prestige and history to that program that you want to restore. And that's a selling point to recruits and players that want to come there and kind of make their mark on, you know, restoring the prestige to Michigan state's football program. And that Absolutely. is what makes Mel Tucker such I, a great recruiter I think, in a good situation. I think offensively, especially, I mean, they got, they got elite 11, they got an elite 11 quarterback. They got Antonio Gates jr. They got one of the top running backs in the country. They got a ton of off. Like they got some, they got a lot of good recruits coming in. I think in a few years, Michigan State could be. Now, the thing is also both Penn State and Ohio State have better. I mean, Penn State has one in the country. Ohio State's got six in the country. Penn State's got two top 20 quarterbacks with two different play styles, which is something I've, I, that they, I've seen them do it a few times. It usually worked. They did it with Levis and Clifford. It didn't work out as well. And they also weren't as, as highly ranked as Bo and Aller. Um, but Michigan State, I mean, from, they have the guys to become a, a good, a very, very, high level football program and kind of go back to that 2015, 2016 team. So, I mean, the only team I'm worried about of the four we talked about is obviously Michigan, just because I think the only thing keeping Michigan in is realistically Jim Harbaugh because the, the swagger Jim Harbaugh brings to a football team definitely gives you boost. I think that's why they're keeping them is because Michigan isn't necessarily losing because of lack of heart. They're losing because of lack of talent. They're just not as talented as the other teams. And that's not really a knock because they do play in, like we said, one of the hardest divisions in college football, if not the hardest. And I will say that there is a lot. And I know that the lack of talent has been a big undoing of the Wolverines over the past few years. But you look at 2016, they absolutely had the talent to win the whole damn thing. Mm -hmm. And really coaching was their undoing because they should have. I mean, you had a good quarterback in in Will Spate. And against Ohio State, against a secondary that was very susceptible and that you exposed in the passing game, you run the ball about 60, 65% of that game. I think that there are some things that Harbaugh does that really bring this team down. But mm-hmm. the, the one thing that Harbaugh has consistently been below average at has really been recruiting and bringing in enough talent to get back to that, you know, best yep. team in the nation caliber program. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like I said, they're still going to be Michigan. They're still going to hang around there. But that 2016 Michigan team, I think they were the best team in the in the Big Ten that year. I think they were better than Ohio State and Penn. Obviously, they're better than Penn State. I think I think Michigan kind of they lost a bad game. They lost a very very close, questionable game against Ohio State, which I 
I mean, there was controversy there, but I, especially a game that goes to overtime, especially when you have the ball, I don't like to blame controversy on the reason why you lost. But let's let, they were an inch away from winning that game and going to the Big Ten title game and gonna win, winning the Big Ten and going to the playoff. And it, I mean, Penn State, it took a magical season and a magical upset to get them there. And I think it was a Cinderella story. I think it was destiny that got Penn State there. But they weren't the best team. They were the third best team in their division. And honestly, they were probably, they were one play away, Michigan, from still getting there because they would have still won the big that Big Ten division if Michigan State got that two-point conversion that they won against Ohio State the game before with three seconds left that they ended up missing. So that 2016 Michigan team had a lot of things didn't go their way that they probably, that would have changed the whole entire thing. I completely agree. I think, I want to go back to 2018 as well. Another great team that was top four for that program. You had one loss and it was at the beginning of the season to a very talented Notre Dame team that I believe made the playoff that year as well. And then you go to Ohio State. And every aspect of that game, the Wolverines crapped the bed. Mm-hmm. Got outcoached. They got outplayed on all three aspects of the game. Offense, Absolutely. defense, special teams. I mean, you got that block punt that basically sealed uh, Michigan's face. I think they scored 21 or 27 points in the fourth, in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. I, I think, think it was, I think I think it was, it was 21. Was, yeah, I think it was 21 points in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Really sealing, again, once again, sealing their fate. So... No matter if this team doesn't get a top five recruiting class, I don't think that they're that when it gets into the thick of it, when you get into the middle of you know conference play, when we start figuring teams out and how to game plan for teams, like when they go up against the Penn States, the Michigan States, even I'd venture as far to say the Indianas and the yeah. Ohio States of the world, and they still have to play I, Iowa, I still, still feel have to play like Wisconsin. they play Iowa. I forgot they Wisconsin. Had Iowa on their schedule, Iowa yeah. and Wisconsin. I feel like that they could still win a majority of those games, yeah. But the the lack of talent that's on this team right now, at least in my opinion, experienced talent outside of the run game and maybe the front seven on defense, I think that that's going to be the undoing of this team. I don't think that they're going to be able to sustain this top 15 team level to play all the way up until December. All right. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Uh, last thing before we get out of here tonight. Um, right now, if you had to pick right now, you had to predict your who your top four are for come the end of December, uh, come the beginning of December. Who would you pick? The, Who's going to make the playoffs? I think one one is Bama. I think that we can give. I think that that is a given. I'm back and forth on this because I think number two is going to be the Big Ten champion. Mm-hmm. Right now, is he going to say it? Guys? Is he really, really going to say it? Is he going to say it? He's going to say it, isn't he? I really hate to say this, but I'd say Penn State. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was awesome. I, I, did, I, don't, I just don't think Ohio State's shown enough consistently. If, if they play, if they go back to that dominant fashion the next couple yeah. of weeks, obviously that, the fan of me is going to say that they're yeah. going to end up being the number two team. Uh, number three, I don't think that they lose a game until the SEC title, so I think that I'm going to have to give that to Georgia. Mm-hmm. And number four is a real wild card. You're going to say who I think you're going to say, aren't you? <laughs> I I actually think that right now at this point, Penn State ends Ohio State's playoff hopes. I think that they, mm-hmm. they might come into the shoe and beat Ohio State. Yeah. If not, then I think Michigan State could be the team that comes uh, into mm-hmm. the shoe and beats Ohio State. I think that they're going to lose one. if they Unless they play at the level that they played against Akron the rest of the season, they are going to lose one more game. It, who's number so four? So number four, cool. it's, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a history-making team. 
I know who it I is. I think the Cincinnati Bearcats yep, yep. make it in at number four. They're they still an Ohio representative, but it's not going to be the Buckeyes. It's going to be the Bearcats. Okay. okay. I think I can... Oklahoma loses twice. Okay. I, w- I can see out. that. Yep. I think that Iowa loses twice. I could see I that. they lose to Penn State. And then I, th- I think they lose to Penn State twice, actually. And, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Well. They're out. You look at, I think, who else would even jump Oregon. Up? Oregon. Because my Oregon. mine would be. Oh, I forgot about Oregon. Oh, yeah. So never Snare my scratch that Oregon. Oregon's yeah. three, Georgia's four. That's I what I was going to say. That's my exactly bad. how mine would my go. Bad. I think Alabama goes undefeated. I think Penn State goes, I would say right now, Penn State goes undefeated. I would yep. say Oregon goes undefeated. I think the only thing Penn State would have over them is a much harder schedule. Right. The resume for Penn State will be much better. Um, absolutely. And then I think that Georgia, if they're only lost to Alabama as well as they're playing, you, you can't keep them out. You got to give them a chance. I'm going to feel so bad for Cincinnati because I want to see Cincinnati get in because it'll be yeah, so awesome. Too. But at the yeah. same time, since for an F for a uh, group of five team to get in, it, it's going to be tough. You're going to need a lot to go your way. I think, but I think if there is a year, it's going to be this year because who knows Florida could go out there and beat both Arkansas and Georgia and lose some upset. And then Georgia could have two losses in including not an, an uh, sec title and blah, blah, blah. And one of the sec teams could get knocked out. Oregon could lose a game or two. Who knows the big 10 could all just, uh, turn on each other and just each split and then end up not getting a team in. I mean, it's all possible. Yeah. It's, it's definitely the most real, the real, most realistic year would be this year. Yeah. They, what I would love to see this, pl- this playoff right here. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's really realistic, but this would be the the best playoff in my, just from an Ohio state fan, fans perspective. Mm-hmm. So I know your years is completely different, but you got one Bama. Okay. Two Oregon, three Ohio state. And four, either Cincinnati or Arkansas finds a way to sneak in. Okay. I would see, love to see my that. dream. Mean, my dream playoff as an Eastern Pennsylvania kid would have to be Penn State, Temple, Villanova, and uh, who's another team from Philly that has football? Um, you know, just throw Penn in there too. Throw an Ivy League yeah. in there. Oh, I, mean, I, don't never ha- I know that'll never happen, but yeah. Um, well, that's going to be all for tonight, Mike. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. Um, make sure you follow Mike on TikTok on. at Pro Sports Opinion. Um, Mike, I'll definitely have you on another time. I appreciate it. Have a great rest of your night, man. All right. Thanks. Really appreciate you having me on. Uh, well, thank you again, Mike, for coming on. I really appreciate it, man. I had a lot of fun talking to you about it, and we'll definitely have you on another time. I was looking at my phone during the game, or during the when I was talking to Mike. This is, this is what's going on right now. I am not very happy. Not happy at all. I'm going to be so hurt if the Phillies don't make the playoffs. And if Penn State somehow chokes, I'm going to be hurt as well. But uh, thank you guys for watching another episode of the Sports Raid. Um, I'll be back again this weekend. I might have a guest on, might not. not going to tell you who. Um, But thank you guys again. Uh, You can watch this on YouTube, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Anchor. Shout out to Anchor. Best way to make your podcast. Only uh, instant monetization. You can make money right away. So thank you, Anchor. And thank you guys. Have a great rest of your night. Don't forget to subscribe. Peace.